When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for midweek news and notes with our friend who covers the Jets for AM New York and also happens to be a Hofstra legend, Nick Ferrier. I, I, I don't know about Hofstra legend, but uh, definitely definitely glad to be back. Uh, definitely glad to talk some uh, football in New York Jets. It's been a heck of a week. Well, say this, Nick. If you mention your name around the Hofstra campus, it definitely elicits a reaction. Not always a positive reaction, <laughs> but a reaction nonetheless. So that's why I consider you a legend of Hofstra, because the people there know you. And you are a man of the people, as, of course, is Zach Wilson, a man of the Jets fans, at least for this week, because he is the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. We'll get into what he had to say and what Robert Sala had to say in a little bit. But first, Nick, Let's talk about this award. I know that Mr. DeVito won it on the other side of town, so this is kind of crazy that both Jets quarterbacks won it. And both guys who weren't supposed to be starters when the season began, DeVito, who was the third stringer with the Giants, Zach Wilson, who was supposed to redshirt and learn for a year or two behind Aaron Rodgers, both guys ended up getting forced into action. A little bit better of a story DeVito so far. Nothing was expected of him, and he's well overperformed. Wilson did not do very well most of the year. His performances, I still thought, were better than most people gave him credit for, but it's not like he was doing much that would have landed him the honor of AFC Offensive Player of the Week until this past week when he absolutely played lights out against the Houston Texans. So, Nick, your thoughts. Zach Wilson, who'd have thunk it when he was benched for Tim Boyle a couple of weeks ago, but he is now the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah, it's it's a a pure microcosm of how quickly things change in the National Football League, both for the better and the worse. A couple of weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago, he was out dueling Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football. A month after, he was benched for Tim Boyle. Now, just two weeks after being benched, he he puts out a performance that I have said is is indicative of a top five caliber quarterback in the National Football League against the Houston Texans defense that is very, very good, very strong in all three phases. And we're talking about Zach Wilson putting up 300 yards, 75% completion percentage, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That is an elite performance from a quarterback that has not played elite yet 
in his career. Um, and he really outplayed many of the NFL's brightest stars. You look at some other quarterbacks around the league, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, none of those guys really played well last week, which makes his performance this past weekend against Houston that much more impressive. He really looked good. About Tommy DeVito, I you know, I, the story of DeVito is great. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to just bask in the awesomeness that, that an undrafted free agent uh, can produce like this. I feel that other players kind of got gypped on the NFC side. Zach Wilson clearly outperformed a lot of the top guys on the AFC. Uh, but Brock Purdy's performance uh, in, in Sunday's win against Seattle, I think, is being grossly overlooked. Um, so I'm not saying that Purdy got screwed or DeVito was not deserving of it, but I will say if there was a quarterback that deserved the, the award the most, it was certainly Zach Wilson on either side of the conference. I've been joking lately, Nick, that the hardest working people in all of sports media right now are the people that are trying all night and day to come up with ways to discredit the performances of Brock Purdy and Tua Tugavaloa. Now, obviously, Tua gave them some ammunition this past week when he had a bad performance on Monday night, but still both guys playing at a really high level. And it seems like everybody is going out of their way to try and not give them the proper credit. Brock Purdy certainly had a fantastic game against Seattle, as you said, but Zach Wilson, I think had a better game than anybody in either conference at the quarterback position this past week. And that includes Brock Purdy. Wilson spoke today. Robert Salas spoke about the performance of the embattled Zach Wilson. What did both guys have to say on the subject? Well, it really is a turn to next week. Both Wilson, well, both Wilson and the coaching staff uh, have fundamentally said it's about turning the page. And as good as he was on Sunday, it means absolutely nothing if he cannot come back and do this performance again and play to that level, play to that standard again against the Miami Dolphins in Miami. Uh, we, we talk about the Jets and, and the mess that they've been all year and the injuries they've suffered, but they're not out of playoff contention yet. A win against Miami will move them to 6-8 and eight with three games remaining on the schedule. And while they have to jump, I think the number is seven teams to even sniff the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture. They are not mathematically out, and there is a path. Now, the big thing, of course, is beating the Dolphins, and that's easier said than done. I think Miami is going to be very pissed off based on their loss last week against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but I think this is a good matchup overall for Wilson and the Jets. Uh, if, if they continue to play aggressive offensively, and when I say aggressive, I mean passing on first down, going to play action early, and not having to run the ball 15 times to set up that play, uh, they do something like that. I think they're going to be in a situation where they can succeed um, downfield against a Dolphins defense that is good, but has lost a couple of pass rushers to injury. This is not a game that you can really look at and say, oh, the Dolphins are going to roll because the Jets have matchup problems all over the field against this Miami squad. The other thing that I found interesting, uh, and it's been a hotly contested debate over the last couple of days I've noticed, is the people that get the most credit for Wilson's performance. And I know a lot of people um, have, and on people on both sides, they talk about Wilson's performance as it's an indictment on the coaching staff for not letting him rip it. It's an indictment on the quarterback for not playing well enough and all those types of things. But the one thing Wilson really, you know, 
hit home throughout his press conference today was giving other people around him credit. And that's the mark of a true leader, the mark of a guy who's in total command and has total respect in the locker room. He credited Nathaniel Hackett for opening up the playbook in the second half. He cited the the mistakes made from the offense uh, as the reason why they couldn't do it in the second half, in the first half. But in the second half, they opened up the playbook, and Wilson had arguably his best half of football in his career. 200 total yards passing, uh, the two touchdowns, 30 points from an offense and a half that hadn't scored 30 in the last, what is it, four or five games. Um, so he was very, very appreciative of the people around him. And I, I don't think it's an indictment truly on the quarterback play. But it, what it really shows is, is that this offense can work with competent quarterback play. When you have a quarterback making the reads and making the throws accurately and decisively, this offense can move without a top offensive line, without a true number two wide receiver. This is a very important victory for the Jets because it instills faith in an offensive system that not a lot of people had going into the week. And it shows that when Rodgers returns in 2024, this is a group that can work and work very well. Nick, in fairness, I think there were a lot of things that were working on Sunday for the Jets that just hadn't worked throughout the season. I think Nathaniel Hackett's play calling was poor throughout the year. And the fact that he opened it up in the second half with 10 straight passing plays, I think that's a huge factor in why the Jets were able to snatch the momentum. If you look at the numbers that the Jets have had when throwing and getting aggressive early as opposed to running, running, and then trying to get themselves out of third and longs or third and mediums, there's a marked difference throughout the season. Also, obviously, Wilson was dealing, but you also had guys that were not dropping passes that had been dropping passes throughout the season, especially the last couple of weeks. You had Wilson being able to get out of the way of pressure and keep his composure and use his legs to make dynamic plays, something that a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't necessarily be able to do, including Wilson himself. He was 8 of 11 for almost 100 yards when pressured, and he was pressured a ton. That's been his biggest weakness by far as an NFL quarterback, and he conquered that weakness at least for one week against the Texans. So I think when you put all that together, plus there weren't anywhere near the number of penalties on offense that kept crippling the Jets over and over again. They didn't have the same number of turnovers, whether that meant fumbles or interceptions. So you put all of that together and you got the absolute best version of what this offense could be with a plus quarterback, because that's what Zach Wilson was on Sunday. Now, whether or not he ends up being better than that over the long haul or even the rest of the season remains to be seen, which is why, of course, Robert Sala was asked in his press conference about the report that came out over the last couple of days from Deseret News. And I should say, Deseret is actually a very big and reputable outlet in Utah. They cover BYU and the writer in question is pretty plugged in. So I have every reason to believe that his report is probably accurate, not to mention it would go hand in hand with what Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt at The Athletic had reported would make a lot of sense that Wilson would be a little more hesitant to want to jump back into the lineup if he had already come to an understanding with the Jets coaches in front office that at the end of the year they were going to have a mutual parting of the ways. Salo was asked about this, and let's just say noncommittal is a word that you could use. Yeah, I, th- I think noncommittal is probably the best bit. Um, but it's 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 very interesting because 
the Jets are in a no-lose situation here. They can't lose in whatever situation transpires over the next four weeks. If Zach Wilson plays like he did against the Houston Texans um, and, and for the next four games against Miami, Cleveland, Washington, New England, and they win, let's say, three of them, and they finish eight and nine, well, that's an improvement in the win total for three straight years of the Robert Sala era. Not only would that solidify Sala's standing as Jets head coach, but it would solidify the fact that this season really was curtailed by injuries and really nothing more, in, in my opinion. But it goes further than that because, yes, with, with this trade talk about Zach Wilson, neither he or the team are really talking about it. They're not really going to get into it until the end of the year. But if he performs at a high level, what's to stop Aaron Rodgers from saying, I want Zach as my immediate backup. He's in the final year of his contract, and I want him to be my look from me. We can do this the right way, as it was intended uh, for the 2023 season. There's nothing to stop him from doing that. But even if the Jets were to trade him at the end of the year, based on that report from Utah, uh, the stock is going to be very high on a young quarterback like that. Wilson's only 24. He's got a lot of starts under his belt, but it seems like he's finally starting to turn the corner. I understand that a lot of people, you know, want to see more consistency, and they're absolutely correct. Wilson needs to show that he can be a plus quarterback consistently week in and week out, and he hasn't done that yet in his NFL career. But if the Jets were to be able to step in and Wilson plays well, you could potentially go from having to get a fifth round, maybe sixth round pick for Wilson to a third or fourth rounder. And that's an incredible return on investment for a guy that was not going to be re-signed anyway after his rookie deal, as we expect the Jets are not going to do once that contract is up. So this is really a no, a win-win situation, no-lose situation for the Jets, however you want to call it, because... This team is set up really nicely with or without Zach Wilson. When Aaron Rodgers is back, he's QB1. However they get the assets along the way, they'll be able to get that. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick, the only thing that would stop Aaron Rodgers if he wanted Zach Wilson to be his apprentice for another year from actually being his apprentice, I would assume would be Zach Wilson saying he doesn't want to do it and that he wants to go somewhere else. But that's not something that really either side can say for sure at this point. Whatever it is they agreed to, if Wilson continues to play well, maybe there's a change of heart on one side or both sides. So we'll have to monitor the situation and see. As of right now, a lot of things up in the air, including the status of the aforementioned Mr. Aaron Rodgers. There was a report by TMZ earlier this week that Aaron Rodgers would be medically cleared to play on Christmas Eve. Both Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers were asked about this. Rodgers, of course, asked about it during his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show. Sala asked about it during his press conference. And again, I guess the word to use here, Nick, would be noncommittal. Well, it's, it's interesting because I think Sala is a very cerebral head coach, very smart, and he's a great guy. Um, but the amount of I don't know is coming from his mouth when, it, when in regard to Aaron Rodgers' recovery tells me that this isn't about so much getting medically cleared as it is them just trying to push off the conversation until they absolutely have to. Um, if the Jets are eliminated on Sunday against Miami, 
I think it's it's a clear and obvious statement that Rodgers will not return uh, at any point for the fall, for the rest of the season. If they do beat Miami, though, and they were to pull off a stunning upset in South Florida, I think it certainly opens the door for Rodgers to return this season. Now, I don't think, and I'm going to refute the TMZ report based on the conversations that I've heard uh, and I've been a part of, I don't think that Rodgers is going to come back on Christmas Eve. There's just too much at stake, and it doesn't make much sense because after Christmas Eve, the Jets are on short rest, and they have to travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns, who are also in playoff contention. If the Jets are still alive by that Browns game, it doesn't make sense for them to play Rodgers on Christmas Eve right out of Achilles surgery and all those other issues and then have him play four days later, that doesn't make much sense. I think if he's going to come back, it's going to be in that Cleveland game, and then he'd have 10 days off uh, for the final game of the season against the New England Patriots. All that being said, there's no guarantee that he even returns. If Rodgers was getting excited about his overall return, I think he would have already said on the McAfee show. They kind of alluded to it, and then they kind of weirdly enough on the show um, just – talked about other things in the middle of those questions, and it got very confusing after a while. Um, But ultimately, if I were a betting man, if he's going to return, it's going to be against Cleveland, not Washington. And and that's even if that's the case, because they still have to beat Miami in order to make that happen. Yeah, Nick, I've made it clear on the show many times, and to you, of course, that I never believed Rodgers was going to play this year. And I certainly don't think he's going to play If the Jets lose to Miami and for all intents and purposes get eliminated from playoff contention, I don't know if that would technically mathematically knock them out, but even if it doesn't, it would in all practicality knock them out. So I think if they don't beat Miami, that conversation ends once and for all. But in the meantime, there are conversations to be had about other injured players on the Jets. What's the latest injury wise with this team? Yeah, so right now Carter Warren uh, and Max Mitchell did not participate in practice today. Uh, The expectation right now is still up in the air for either side. Uh, The one thing I do want to give a shout-out to is Billy Turner, who stepped in for Mitchell at the end of the game uh, in the second half against Houston and played very well. He was the highest-graded offensive lineman for the Jets in that contest. He played very well. Uh, and he should get um, he should get some credit for that because that was a very encouraging sign against a very good Texans pass rush. Nick, the Jets aren't the only team dealing with injuries going into this game. The Dolphins are in big trouble. The offensive line is in shambles. Tyreek Hill is questionable. So the Jets could catch a huge break here. They've got their own injury issues, but they could be facing the Dolphins at the exact right time. And this is what it is. This is how playoff teams are born. It's not so much about, oh, it's, 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 of course, playing your best, but sometimes you need a little luck. Sometimes you need a little help. Um, and this Dolphins team, I think, at full strength, would give a, an Aaron Rodgers squad for the Jets trouble. Um, but New York has a very fundamental strength that the Dolphins have pretty much struggled with all year, and that's interior pressure. Connor Williams tearing his ACL and being done for the year, that's a big, big loss. He's not a terrific center, uh, but he is a very serviceable starter, and the fact that Miami has to go to another backup now is going to be a big problem when Quinton Williams has the game he had uh, last Sunday against Houston. This defensive line is really hitting home, and the other piece to it is the secondary. Michael Carter, uh, Sauce Gardner, 
DJ Reed, or I, I think it was Brian Baldinger who said that game from any secondary he has seen all year in terms of total domination. Uh, and of course, you have to add in context. Nico Collins got hurt early. Jake Dell didn't play. Dalton Schultz didn't play. But the fact of the matter is, they stonewalled that Houston passing attack that has been lethal against some of the best defenses in football this season. And if Tyree Kill doesn't play, that is a substantial, substantial injury that I don't know the Dolphins can recover from. There's, a, there's this weird thing going around the NFL where quarterbacks need everything to be perfect in order to play. And some people are making it as a downside to the league and downside to the quarterback. I never really believed that was the case. Quarterbacks need things to be perfect for them to succeed. That's how it is. That's how it's always been. And Tua is certainly one of those quarterbacks. He needs his guys ready. He needs an offensive line that can protect because of how, he, how his passes are more anticipatory than anything else. Um, but ultimately, if Tyree Kill doesn't go, that is a massive, massive blow to this Dolphins offense and opens the door for the Jets offense to really get some big plays down the field without worrying about other issues on the other side of the ball. We talked on yesterday's show, myself and Randy Lang of NewYorkJets.com, and of course, longtime Jets beat reporter for the Bergen Record, about what the Jets cornerbacks have been doing this year. Some incredible stats. So if you haven't caught that show yet, go ahead, go back and listen to it. Trust me, Randy always has some fantastic numbers, and he had some tremendous ones on yesterday's show. Nick, last order of business, the Pro Bowl. The voting continues. Quincy Williams campaigning. When talking to the press yesterday, right now, though, none of the Jets are in the top couple for vote getters. Now, obviously, that's not the only thing that gets somebody into the Pro Bowl. But you almost have to wonder if for some reason the voters in general don't like the Jets and don't want to vote for them. Because you look at some of the top guys on this team and they're nowhere close to the top in terms of the amount of votes. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, the Pro Bowl has basically become a popularity contest overall. Um, it, it's sad to see the way that it's gone when it comes to that. Really, when you're looking at it, I think the all-pro ballot, um, that's where you really can determine just how good some players some players were during the year. Uh, and Quincy Williams, I know that he'll, he'll be probably heading to the Pro Bowl regardless whether it being as a starter or as an alternate. And, and that's the way these games are now. People are named to the Pro Bowl, then they don't show up, and you get like three or four alternates um, at each position. So maybe it doesn't happen right now, but the more the Jets play, you know, the more the Jets play and play well, I think there's going to be strong consideration for particularly some of these defensive guys to really get in because you've got the Sauce Gardeners, the Mosleys, Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson. All those guys are very deserving. And more than anybody else, of course, the punt god, Thomas Morstead. Absolutely. What a crazy stat, by the way, Nick. Six times this season, and this is a career high for Morstead, and he leads the league. Six times he has punted the ball and had it down inside the five-yard line. The Jets would not have the number of wins they have this year without Morstead helping them enormously in the field position battle. And of course, Greg Zerline has been outstanding too. Tremendous kicking game for the Jets. This is the best they've had it at punter and kicker in years. No, they really haven't. They, they've been talking about it extensively over the last you know couple months. Um, I think they should do everything in their power to make sure Zerline and Morstead stay on or at least have a very strong backup plan in case either of them leave. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it's it's – 
it's hard to look at this team the way it's constructed right now and not think about how good they could have been if Aaron Rodgers were the quarterback. I would argue if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, you're probably looking not just at a division championship right now, but you are looking at the number one seed, particularly with how poor Kansas City has looked in recent weeks, uh, how uneven Buffalo has looked, uh, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the inconsistencies they bring. I think there would have been a very good chance that the, the New York Jets would have easily have been the one seed um, at this point going into to the final weeks of the season. Nick Faria covering the Jets for AM New York and, of course, a Hofstra legend. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the midweek news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your work at AM New York, what are they going to find and how can they check you out on social media? Yeah, as always, check me out on Twitter at Nick underscore Faria 1720. Uh, basically, going all Jets covering the, the, the gang green. Uh, do a little work for the Rangers and Philadelphia Eagles as well. Uh, but for this week, it's all about the Zach Wilson show. Can he produce and can he be as consistent as he was last week against the Houston Texans? It's going to be very interesting to see. But if there's a game for them to pull off an upset against, it's a Dolphins team that is reeling right now, trying to get a hold of their own division. Make sure you check out everything Nick's doing at AM New York. Follow him on Twitter and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome all 22 reviews on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikejet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you. Thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, to be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. <laughs>